Good morning. We'd like to welcome you all to church this morning. Please stand and join us. Those of us who remember the time change, please stand and join us as we sing our praises to God together. you 
God and our Heavenly Father. We pray that you will pour out your spirit on us as we continue in worship, that our hearts would be open to all that you want to do in us and through us today. And we ask this through Christ. Amen. Share a word of greeting. Let us hear in worship today.
We are uh, privileged to uh, welcome Chris and Melissa George here this morning. Uh, they serve in Australia with Global Partners and uh, are uh, local uh, people from the area. And uh, they're here uh, back in the U.S. for a little while. And uh, here this morning, going to be sharing in Kaleidoscope Sunday School class at, at the 940 hour. And they're going to share just a few moments this morning about their work and their ministry. Good morning. It is great to be with you this morning. Share just a little bit uh, of what God is doing in another part of the world. We have been uh, Global Partners missionaries with... Uh, well, with Global Partners in Australia for 10 years. I never dreamed I would get to a point in my life where I could say that, uh, but, uh, but we are. And uh, God has, has called us to go and, and plant a church or plant churches in Western Australia. And a lot of people ask us, why in the world would you be a missionary in Australia? You know, isn't Australia exactly like America with a different accent? Uh, a lot of things in our cultures look very similar, but let me draw you a picture of one big difference. I grew up in Wellsville. Some of you know my dad. He's been the pastor of the Wesleyan Church there for about 150 years or so. I grew up in Wellsville, and if you include all the surrounding areas of Wellsville, you know there's about 7,000 people. For those 7,000 people in the Wellsville area, we have 30 Christian churches on the ministerial. We went 10 or 12 years ago to start uh, groundwork with a short-term team from Indiana Wesleyan University, and we quickly realized when we were there that as we worked in a suburb in the northern parts of the city of Perth that was around 7,000 people in our suburb, we quickly realized and until we started a church, there wasn't a church. And even to this day, 10 years later, as we've been there full time, we, as our suburb has grown to almost 12,000 people, we continue to this day to be the only church within the entire community. And so we, we've gone to go and plant churches where people don't go to church. And uh, that's, that's a great joy of ours and a great opportunity that God has given us uh, to be able to do that. If you boil everything we do down to one sentence, which I like to do sometimes, uh, it's this. We connect with people. So that at some point in our lives, we have an opportunity to connect them with God. That's really what it's all about, and that's what we do. If I can share you one very quick story, there was a woman named Debbie. She came to our uh, Christianity Explained Bible study. She started coming, and, and she was learning. She was just had a hunger to sort of uh, learn, because what we really want to do is just spirit, cult, cultivate a spiritual curiosity in people. And so she began coming, and, and she gets to the last week of the ev- evangelical study. And, you know, you've done these studies before. You expect on the last night, as you explain to people what they need to do in order to receive Christ, you expect a light to shine down from heaven and everything, you know, uh, the hallelujah chorus to break out. But it doesn't always work that way. And she sort of looked at us and, and she just simply very quietly closed her book. And she looked at us and she just said, I just don't get it. She said, if this is true, how is it that I've lived 36 years of my life? I've lived my entire life up till this point and I've never heard this. How is that possible? And then I'm reminded of the scripture that says, well, how will they know unless somebody tells them? And how will anybody tell them unless they go? And so God has called us to go and be church planters there in Western Australia. I've got tons of stories that I want to tell you. Uh, We're going to be sharing in the Kaleidoscope class. If you're not in that class, but you'd like to uh, catch up with us, we have a table uh, display out in the the foyer area of the community rooms. Uh, And so we have some prayer cards on our table. We'd love for you to pick one of those up. Stick those wherever you'll see it. We don't care where you put it, whether it's on your refrigerator or on your dartboard. Uh, just as long as when you do see it, you remember to pray for us and pray for the ministry and what God is doing there, helping us to connect with people and connect 
people with him. We've seen great ministry, great things happening. Uh, Debbie, in fact, uh, just a few months ago, or about a year ago now, came to the Lord finally and uh, is beginning a journey of faith in her life. So pick up one of those. Now, we're, we're changing the way that we do our, our newsletters, our email updates. And so if you are receiving that right now currently through our blog page, or if you would like to receive it, please fill out one of these white cards that's on our table with your email address so that we can keep you on our list because we're actually closing down our website and we're going to an email newsletter. So we need you to re-sign up for that. We'd love to keep you updated on the ways that God is working, what he's doing there in Western Australia and how you can pray specifically uh, for the ways that he's moving. Thank you very much for the opportunity this morning just to share with you. Uh, I'd love to see you in the class as I, I get to share some stories with you or catch up with us at our table. We'd love to, love to chat with you about those things. Thank you very much. Thank you. It is so exciting to hear what the Lord is doing in Australia. I'd like to invite the ushers forward to assist us as we give back to him just a little bit of all that he has lavished upon us. stars they wept the morning sun was dead the savior of the world was fallen his body on the cross his blood poured out for us the weight of every curse upon him One final breath he gave, and on that last day, the Son of God was laid in darkness. A battle in the grave, the war on death was waged, the power of hell forever broken. The ground began to shake, the stone Oh! 
morning. Just a reminder that after the reading of the scripture, children are excused to children's church and junior church. If you're able, I'd like to invite you to stand with me as we read the gospel. The reading is from the book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 32 to 42. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer.
Father, we pray that you will help us to be led to your cross. In the cross to see, to hear, to know your yearning for us as individuals and as a community of faith. We ask this through Christ. One of the things that amazes me about this, this image that we get from the picture of Jesus praying in the garden is his brutal honesty. He's not trying to hide anything from the disciples, and the writers of the Gospels are not trying to hide anything from those who read. What we see here is, is brutal honesty of Jesus saying to them, I'm struggling, I'm wrestling. And he says to the disciples, I, I want you with me. I was talking this, about this passage with a group of people recently, and one of the questions that came up is, why does, Jesus, why does Jesus bring the disciples with him as he goes into the garden? And, and I think it's really pretty simple. I think he, he wants their help. He's not looking for them to... To fix the situation. He's not looking for them to change it. He's not looking for them to fight for him. He's looking for them to do one thing. To pray for him. In the middle of this battle. And as we said a few weeks ago. The real battle of the cross. The real battle of of what's going on here. And the redemption of the world. The real battle takes place right here in the garden when he's praying. And in the midst of this battle, he says to the disciples, I need you. I want you to pray for me. It's an astounding thing to me. And the more I ponder that, the question that comes to my mind is, why are we so hesitant to ask people to pray for us? I wonder if one of the reasons is because we live with a spirit of independence. And there's something in us that wants to believe that we're, the, the proof of our spiritual strength is I can handle it on my own. It's, it's just me and God, and, and that's good enough. And in fact, if I need other people, it's not a sign of spiritual strength. It's a sign of spiritual weakness. And there is something in us that wants to believe, particularly with our American independent spirit, that we can handle this ourselves. And that's the sign of spiritual strength. And yet here is Jesus, no one more spiritually strong, who says, help me, pray for me. And he's not afraid to ask for help. Maybe Maybe it's because sometimes we think... When we look at our own lives and the struggles we're facing, maybe our hesitancy to ask people to pray for us is because we look at other people's problems and we think mine seem minor in comparison. And for me to bring up this this problem, this issue, and ask people to pray for me, it doesn't feel right because people are dealing with so much more, bigger stuff. And I get that. But the reality is, 
If it's important to us, if it's, if it's a burden for us, then God cares about it. And it's important for us to pray about it and for people to help us pray about it. A burden is a burden. And throughout our lives, we're going to have bigger things that feel like bigger burdens or smaller burdens. But the reality is they're all needs. And the practice of asking people to pray for us in the small things gives us confidence to ask people to pray for us in the big things. And to ask for people to pray for us about something that may not be as huge as what other people are facing is good. It's what the church does. It's what the, what the church is supposed to be. Maybe it's, maybe it's because we, we expect people to be mind readers. You know, we think, I'm, I'm dropping every hint that I can, that I need help, that I need you to pray for me. And if you don't pick up on that, then you don't really care about me. You know, we do that in our relationships, right? You know, we, we, we don't want to come out and say, hey, I want you to do this for me. But we drop as many hints as we can because something in us believes that people only really love us if they can read our minds. If they can figure out what we're trying to say. And we do that with each other when it comes to prayer. There's something in us that wants to believe that people really care about us. If they really cared about us, they would know what we're thinking. They would know what we're feeling. They would understand our burdens and just volunteer to pray for us. And yet here is Jesus, an agony of soul and spirit. And he's not afraid to say, look, guys, you may be able to get it or not. I think they don't. Because they fall asleep. It doesn't seem that important to them. And so Jesus says, look, I need your help. Let me be brutally frank with you. I'm not going to try to, you to guess. I need your help. Pray for me. Sometimes I wonder if at the heart of our hesitancy about praying for each other is overestimating our neediness. We overestimate our strength. And we come to the situation, we come to situations in life, burdens, struggles, whatever they may be, and something in us believes I can handle this. I don't, I, you know, it's not even just that sense of independence, it's a sense of spiritual strength. I can deal with this. If anybody had the right to say that, it would be Jesus. If anyone could handle stuff, it would be Jesus. And yet in the midst of this crisis, he recognizes how much he needs the prayers and the support of his disciples. And he says, pray for me. And I wonder sometimes if, if it isn't this sense of pride that gets in the way of our ability, our willingness to say to others, I have, I'm struggling, I'm wrestling, I, I need your help. There is, this, there is this underlying sense, I think, of we want to appear spiritually strong to people. And so to say to folks, I, I have a need, implies that we aren't spiritually strong. Especially with some of the, the, the more personal needs that we wrestle with. Something in us wants to believe that if you're really spiritual, you shouldn't even be tempted by that. 
That shouldn't even be a struggle in your life. You shouldn't even need to pray about it. You just get over it. You just deal with it. You just handle it. That's what spiritually strong people do. And yet, again, we see Jesus saying, I need help. I need you to pray for me. One of the most fascinating things that I find in the New Testament is how many times the Apostle Paul says to the churches around him, pray for me. Romans 15, he says, pray for me. Ephesians 6, pray for me. Philippians 1, pray for me. Colossians 4, pray for me. 2 Thessalonians 3, pray for me. Over and over and over again, Paul says to the churches, pray for me. And what fascinates me is that Paul is spiritually superior to the people in the churches he's asking to pray. And yet he says, pray for me. Jesus is spiritually superior to the disciples, hands down. And yet he says, pray for me. Pray with me. I need you. I need your support. I need your encouragement. I need your prayers. Pray for me. Someone was mentioned to me recently that they've read this passage hundreds of times, but for the first time it just struck them that when Jesus says to the disciples, the, flesh, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak, I mean, we tend to interpret that as he's talking about them, that their spirits are willing, but their flesh is weak. This person said to me that for the first time they read that and they wondered, maybe Jesus is talking about himself. That in his spirit, he, he's doing what the Father wants him to do, but he's wrestling with it. His, his humanness is, is wrestling to do what, what the Father is asking of him and the struggle of that. I mean, that's what this whole hour of prayer is about. And the more I think about that, I, I wonder if that isn't right. And it's Jesus acknowledging The struggle that we have as human beings to overcome the difficulties that come before us and the struggles of life. And the response is not, I can handle it. The response is not, I'm good, I don't need any help. The most mature spiritual response is pray for me. Pray with me. It's what the church does. It's one of the reasons the church exists. We pray for each other. You'll see in the book of Acts, when they get together, they pray with each other. Acts chapter 4, they pray for each other. Over and over again, the church comes together to pray for each other. And it's not a sign of spiritual weakness. It's a recognition of their need for each other and how God has designed the church to be this community of prayer. And it's in this community of prayer, as we pray with each other, and we pray for each other, that we find spiritual strength to overcome the battles and the burdens and the difficulties that we face. As we pray for each other, there is this sense of maybe underlying all the reasons why we struggle to ask each other to pray is because deep down inside we're not really sure that it's going to make any difference. I mean, we tend to ask people to help us because we believe 
they can do something for us that we can't do for ourselves. And if, we, if you have a problem in your house and you're looking for someone to help you, you're going to ask someone who knows something about the problem, knows something about fixing it. It's probably one of the reasons why not many people come to me to ask for help around their houses. You know, the guys who are doing the remodel of the offices over here, not once have they come over and said, we've got this electrical problem. Could you come over and help us with that? Nobody wants that to happen. You know, it, it's, it's not, I don't want to be in an office that I, that I put in the electricity. That's not my thing. I don't do that. But there are people who know how to handle that kind of stuff, and that's who you go to because you believe they can help you. And we ask people to pray for us because something inside of us believes that their prayers make a difference. That coming together in prayer changes things. We're encouraged by those prayers. We're uplifted by those prayers. Sometimes people can pray things that in our struggle we are having a difficult time praying. See, we have the capacity, the amazing capacity to harm each other and to encourage and help each other. And we are all walking witnesses of how we can harm each other, unfortunately. We've all got stories to tell about people who call themselves Christians doing things, saying things that hurt us. But the real point of the church is is to be a place where even in the midst of the problems that we cause each other, somewhere in that we're helping each other. We're encouraging each other. And one of the ways we do that is to pray for each other. If If you've ever had someone, people gather around you, lay hands on you, touch you, and pray for you. It is one of the most profoundly encouraging things that can happen to us. It is the church being the church. And when we do that, we believe that our prayers make a difference. And I know one of the struggles is how do we pray? And we, we, we live in this tension of praying with boldness and yet praying in a spirit of surrender. Praying courageously and asking God to do what we truly want him to do. We, the scriptures tell us that we, we ask God to give us the desires of our hearts. He calls us to do that. And so we ought to pray boldly and courageously. But we do that in the context of surrendering to Christ. And believing that God who is good, God who is our loving Abba Father, will do what is best. And we trust him. And we pray in that tension for each other and with each other of courage and boldness and surrendering to the goodness and the divine wisdom of our loving Abba Father. As I was thinking through this passage and and this idea this week, it struck me that It's not enough just to talk about praying for each other. We need to do that. We need to provide an opportunity for us to pray for each other. And one of the ways that we do that, we've been doing that, is the the Thursdays of Lent. 
setting aside times and during the Thursdays of Lent, and we continue for the next few weeks of times of corporate prayer at noon, at 6 p.m., 10 p.m., meeting downstairs, and we gather around a table and take communion together. Then we go to the prayer room and get into a circle, and we pray for each other. We pray for the needs of the community and the world and the the wider community, and we, we pray with each other and for each other. And if you've been able to be a part of that, you know they've been profound times together. And if you, I encourage you to, to participate in that. But we also want to do that today as well. We want to pray with each other and for each other this morning. The elders and the, and the pastors are going to gather here around the front of the altar and we're going to invite you to come and to kneel at the altar rail or if kneeling's difficult to sit in one of these red chairs. And we want to gather around you and we want to pray with you and for you. And it doesn't matter what the burden or the need is. It might be something physical and you want healing. It might be a grief in your heart and you, and you want God to heal and comfort that. Maybe it's, a, it's, it's something broken that needs to be restored Maybe it's a sin that you're just wrestling with so hard and you want us to pray with you about overcoming that. And you don't have to give us all the details. God knows you can say as little or as much as you want. We just want to pray with you and for you. Because this is what it means to be the church. And maybe you want to come in sort of in proxy of... Other Christians around the world, our brothers and sisters in other places of the world. We just want to be the church that prays with each other. So I'm going to ask the the elders and the pastors to come and to to stand behind the altar rail. We have oil here and we would be happy to anoint you with oil if you'd like for us to do that. We're going to ask them to come. And as they gather here, if you would like for us to pray with you, to pray for you, then please come, kneel at the altar rail, sit in one of the chairs, but come and give us the privilege and the opportunity to pray for you and to pray with you.
Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for hearing our prayers today. We thank you for being the healer of our diseases, the comforter of our griefs, the restorer of things that are broken. We thank you that you are greater than any circumstance any of us may face. For your power to not only to forgive our sin and our struggles, but to give us power to overcome. Lord, we pray that you will meet every one of us at our point of need. Those that have been spoken this morning and those that we have not spoken. We pray for your grace in each one. Father, we continue to pray for the burdens of the world. We pray for Chris and Melissa and their ministry in Australia. Pour out your spirit upon them. Encourage them. Help them with uh, the preparations they are making now to return. And when they return, Father, may they have a sense of your spirit having gone before them and with them and behind them and all around them. That through their ministry and the ministry of others who work with them and through the church, they would see your hand doing miraculous things in individual lives and in their whole community. Pour out the abundance of your blessing on them. We pray, Father, for our brothers and sisters who live in places of the world where they face great opposition and hardship. We think especially of the Christians in Egypt. Our hearts are, are grieved at the, the, the recent murders. Lord, it's hard for us to really grasp living in that kind of environment. We pray, Father, that you'll bring an end to the violence and the hatred against your people. We pray for a continuing spirit of forgiveness toward ISIS and others who are opposing your people. We pray that your church in Egypt will continue to emit love and compassion so much so the people who have been close to you and antagonistic toward you would open their hearts to you. Father, continue to turn us from self-centered to Christ-centered living. Give us eyes to see you at work in the world, in our smaller world, in our homes, in our lives. And Father, as you work in us, give us grace to be agents of your love and mercy in this world of great need. Again, Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for your gracious 
compassion and mercy and your almighty power that can do more than we could dream or imagine. Give us increasing faith and trust. And we pray this through the grace of Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand and join us as we sing. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are not a God
receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you.